Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. Quick clip. With questions and participants from all around the world. Anthony Edwards! Put that on a poster! Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Back is I missed this shot, I walk away, I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and get The Athletic for $1 a month for six months. The NBA season's right around the corner. We've got training camp in just a few weeks. You're going to want to have a subscription to The Athletic so that you can stay caught up on whoever your team is. Maybe you're, maybe you're just a fan of the league. We've got plenty of people that you can follow uh, just for that. John Hollinger for one. Sam Amick. Go to theathletic.com to read all of their stuff. Uh, with me, as always, is my good friend Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? What's up, Andrew? How you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. We are still in the let's make it up a little bit, but we were saved. We're here in the NBA desert currently, and the uh, tiny little oasis of the NBA schedule is upon us. That dropped on Thursday, along with some LeBron news. If you want to hear more about the LeBron news... Go listen to the Daily Ding with Dave DeFore and Keith Parrish. But we're here to talk about the schedule. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we are. Uh, you know, the schedule release, it's up there with, uh, like, the 2K player rating release <laughs> in terms of, like, the part of the offseason that I despise the most. Uh, does not get me excited in any way, which is a great yeah. lead into this, uh, this, this bit we're going to do not about the schedule. Way. Not in any way whatsoever. Nope. Doesn't, doesn't totally uninterested. Does not activate <laughs> your NBA brain at all. <laughs> no, it's just names, teams playing each other. Who cares, Andrew? Okay, but what we thought we'd do, instead of just going over the schedule, because let's be honest, it's kind of boring, uh, we're going to look at the schedule and try to predict some early season narratives some early season narratives so we obviously already have opinions about a lot of these teams but the one thing i will say about the schedule you start looking at the schedules and you're like oh that team i'm feeling good about has a kind of a easy opener and maybe Mm -hmm. maybe they're going to get off to a hot start or something like that so we're going to try to predict predict some uh early season uh takes on some of these teams okay so we got five of them we got five of them we're going to go back and forth uh my my fifth one, and these are in no particular order. These aren't even intended to be bold necessarily. Yeah. But they, some of them might be. Uh, my first one has to do with the Lakers. Um, and my my prediction is that Russell Westbrook will be traded by November 1st. <laughs> that now is, that's, uh, that's quite soon. That is quite soon. That's only seven games into the season. Now, it's entirely possible that they trade him before the season. In fact, this yeah. week, there was some tea leaves suggesting that could be more of a possibility. So first, we had LeBron signing that two-year extension that you mentioned with the Lakers. In his article detailing the extension, Jovan Buha wrote, quote, 
Considering James's preference to trade for Irving and his displeasure with the Lakers' inactivity at the 2022 trade deadline, the tea leaves would suggest the Lakers indicated to James they will be more aggressive in their pursuit of winning, improving their title chances this season, which of course would have to come in the form of trading Westbrook. Now, that, that's interesting, but we kind of already already knew all this. It's, it's more like the extension, though, suggests that maybe the Lakers are, are more willing to do business. Then we hear from Mark Stein reporting in his Substack this week that the Lakers are now willing to surrender both the 27 and 29 first-round picks, though he did mm-hmm. note that it's unclear whether they are willing to do those unprotected or not. He also said the Nets are unwilling to send out Irving in a trade if the deal only brings back future assets. Now, some of this is just, you know, posturing from these teams, Andrew, but it does feel like we're moving closer to the idea of a Westbrook trade actually happening. The thing I'm adding to the conversation is that looking at their early season schedule, if they don't trade him by opening night, I think they will be trading him within two weeks from the start of the season because their opening schedule is kind of brutal. At Golden State, Clippers, Portland, at Denver, at Minnesota... Denver, the Pelicans. Three of those first four will be on ESPN or TNT. And I think there's this expectation. I don't I feel like so many people have memory hold what happened last year with the Lakers. Like like they, they have forgotten. They, they want to believe that, oh, AD's gonna come back. He's gonna look great. You know, LeBron's coming back healthy. You know, Darvin Ham's talking about all these cool things Russ could do, theoretically. <laughs> But just as a reminder, the three-man group of LeBron, Russ, and AD last season had a minus 3.5 net rating in around yeah. 400 minutes. I lived through it, Andrew. We, we lived through it. We saw it. We watched yeah, we it. Did. We listened to the uh, the Twitter spaces after every game and drove yep. the hell out of them. It was glorious. <laughs> I don't know why we're expecting anything different. And looking at this opening schedule, this is setting up for similar to what happened last year, where they get off to a rough start. It's all televised. Every all the blame goes on Russell Westbrook, and they have to do whatever Brooklyn wants. Now, maybe Brooklyn is serious that they don't just want future assets for whatever reason. <laughs> They're trying to push for the playoffs, I guess, I suppose. Um, but you could still have a three-team deal as a potential with, with those 27 and 29 picks. I'm just saying that I'm predicting that if they don't trade them by the opening game, Within those first two weeks, by November 1st, there will be a Russell Westbrook trade because that opening schedule is setting them up for another disappointment. And if they get off to a disappointing start again, the pressure is going to be insanely high. Yeah. So you're, you're not buying any of the uh, Westbrook offseason hype train, are you? <laughs> I, honest to God, did not know there was a Russell Westbrook offseason hype train. So I, I suppose uh, I, I am not. I've seen a few Instagram posts here or there of him hitting a three or two. You know. Oh, okay. I mean, no, I'm not. I was about to okay. try, All right. try to sell All myself right. on it. No, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. I'm out. I've been out. I know. Yeah, it's it's kind of a sad ending for Russell Westbrook's career here. Well, um, hey, he could he could go to a different team and maybe flourish somewhere else. Okay? I'm just out on Russ on the Lakers. It's done. Yeah. I don't okay. want to hear any more about it. Okay. Okay. Number four for you. I'm going to go a little more positive here. I think once we hit January... John Morant will be lead the leading MVP candidate in the leading. NBA. So let's talk about why. To start the season, you think, why Why would you think that? There's no Jaron Jackson. Junior Kyle Anderson's gone. DeAnthony Melton is out. Yeah, gone. What are they going to do? Jake LaRavia? Thick Daddy David Roddy? Those guys taking mm. their places? Mm-hmm. I say it doesn't matter. Here are some reasons why. 
according to Vegas Futures, they their seventh in strength of schedule, like the seventh easiest schedule to start the season. They in the first forty two games, twenty three of those games are against projected lottery teams. So here's a, some of the teams that they're going to play. They play the Rockets. They play the Kings three times. They play the Jazz three times. The Hornets twice. The Wizards twice. The Spurs three times. The Thunder three times. The Pistons twice. The Magic. The Pacers. They also play the Knicks twice. These are all games that without Jaron Jackson Jr., I think they'll be just fine. I think these are games where John Morant can absolutely thrive. So by the time that we hit January, though, things are going to change for them. In their final 40 games after January 14th, 31 of their final 40 games are against projected playoff teams. So I'm saying we hit January, he's the like leading MVP because, wow, look what he's done. They've let go of some of their veterans. No Jaron Jackson Jr. But by that time, Jaron Jackson should be back. And they're going to need him because the stretch yeah. is really going to be like the prove it portion of their schedule because that's going to be really tough. But I do think that he can get enough momentum during this time where they're, they can beat up on these teams that are a little bit worse where things don't look as bad. And a lot of people are expecting the Grizzlies to take like a step back with regards to record. There's a chance that they don't because they could be closer to full strength by the time the schedule really toughens up. So this was kind of a gift given to the Grizzlies. And I, I actually think that, that this team is, is primed for another big season. Yeah, I, I was similar to you when I started this uh, little exercise. I thought of the Grizzlies first because of all the things you said. I was like, oh, I wonder if they have a tough schedule to start off with. Yeah, is this going opposite. to be a sophomore slump? Or I guess maybe it's a junior slump at this point. But yeah, it was the opposite. And I was like, oh, okay, they're going to be fine. Yeah. Now, who knows? We'll see, Andrew. We'll see. We're just making You never know what's going to happen. You never know you what's going to happen, know. but that's that's just just reading the tea leaves. And I definitely think Ja is the type of player with his personality that people just want to talk about. So if the Grizzlies are oh, doing yeah. well, everyone's going to be talking about Ja. Yeah. No uh, okay. My next one, this is, a, this is short term. Okay. We're going to find out quickly if I am right or wrong. The Minnesota Timberwolves will be the number one team in the league after 10 games. Now, <laughs> 10 last games. year... After that's all, that's double digits, Andrew. Okay. That's a, okay. Yeah. Uh, the reason I'm saying that is because one, they have a insanely easy schedule. They're opening ten mm-hmm. games: OKC twice, Utah, Spurs three times, Houston, and then the three tough ones: Phoenix, Milwaukee, and Lakers. Although who know, who knows with the Lakers? Yeah. Who knows? I that is a juicy opening schedule for them. And it's about as easy as it gets. I. I th- I mean I'm high I'm absurdly high on this team going this season in the regular okay, season. Okay, what does that mean? Okay, you can't just say that. What does that mean? Okay, on our other our, on our other show down to dunk, we always do a bold a bold predictions. You know, right before yeah. the season, like the week before yeah, the yeah, season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My bold prediction. I'm already telling you right now. I think the Timberwolves are going to be the number one seed in the West. Okay. Whoa! Like we get it, to it, April. Yeah, in in April. Number one, the number one seed in the West. Yeah, that's gonna be my bold prediction. I got it. Okay, can you sell me on it real quick? Like, give me like, give me like, sixty seconds of selling me on it. Sixty seconds. Uh, okay. So last year, I had my doubts about the Timberwolves, even as as the season was going on. I kept kind of waiting for it to fall off. You know, it was it was a little Mm -hmm. rough at the beginning. Remember, we I remember having a conversation with you, like, oh my gosh, are the Timberwolves doing this again? Like, when is this team ever going to push forward? But the team they became. After that kind of rough start, 
super impressive. And you watch the playoffs, them against Memphis, a, a series they could have very easily won if they just didn't do some very dumb things in that series. Mm-hmm. I just, my opinion of that team just shot through the roof. I was like, wow, this is like a, this is a legit team. And then they go and add Rudy Gobert, which of course the conversation after that was, oh my gosh, they gave up so much. Is it really going to matter once you get in the playoffs? I don't care about that for, for in terms of like the number one seed in the West. What Gobert gives them in the regular season is an incredible baseline from which to build from night to night. The defensive baseline that he's going to give them is going to help them rack up so many regular season wins. We saw this with Utah just a few years ago. They were the number one seed in the West. And I'm basically Mm -hmm. predicting a similar fate. Now, when Gobert plays the last six seasons in the regular season, the Jazz were 274 and 149, which is a 65% winning percentage. Very nice. Mm -hmm. In those seasons, his impact on their defense was obviously enormous. Just one Mm -hmm. data point for those six years. If you go on cleaning the glass... Look at how the Jazz played defensively with Gobert on the court. His on-off differential ranked in the 97th percentile, 97th percentile, 69th percentile, whatever there, 94th percentile, 99th percentile, and 96th percentile. The Timberwolves, meanwhile, they finished 13th defensively last season. It was kind of up and down, but they definitely had moments of brilliance. I remember, and you'll remember this, Andrew, watching them in a game against OKC coming off the 73-point loss to Memphis and we were thinking this team has got to come out and show us something in the first quarter it was one of the most disruptive aggressive defenses defenses I'd watched all season just flying around absolutely terrifying and they kept those guys so the defense already had upside but now you add in Gobert and I just think their baseline defensively similar to the effect in Utah is going to give them a ton of regular season wins now Mm -hmm. like I said Andrew it's a bold prediction okay I'm not saying it's I'm, I'm guaranteeing it it's bold. I get it. But my my mini bold prediction is that they're going to be the number one team in the league after okay. 10 games. And okay. based on what you said about Memphis, looking ahead, Friday, November 11th, 11-11, Friday night game, I believe it's ESPN, Minnesota at Memphis. Yeah. That that, that could potentially be one versus two seed, Andrew. Oh, bonus, bonus, bonus bold. bold. The bonus two bold best prediction. teams in the league. Yes, yes, yes. Going head to head. <laughs> uh, okay, what's your no, next one? That's an interesting one. Uh, okay, st- sticking positive. As we hit the halfway mark of the season, the Clippers will be known as the title favorites for the entire. Is, is, is that not? Would you say is that not the case right now? I was wondering. Like, I haven't looked at the betting odds yet, but where are they in the betting odds? Um, let's see. Let's, let's look it up. see what they are. Let's look it up. I'm going on BetMGM. There's Jamie Foxx right there. I'm going to pretend I'm yep. in Louisiana. Yep. They are fourth right now. So Celtics yeah. are plus 450. Uh, Warriors plus 600. Bucks plus 600. Clippers plus 700. So they're fourth. Yeah. Right so they will be like the odds-on favorites by then. Uh, it may not be bold, but let's talk about why I think this is true. They have the second easiest strength of schedule in the league for this next year. In the first 41 games, they play 20, 21 of those are against projected lottery teams. OKC twice, Houston twice, Kings twice, Utah three times, Detroit twice, San Antonio twice, Washington twice, Indiana twice, Charlotte twice, Orlando. I mean, that, those are, that's a cake schedule. But I would say it's, that's fine. But if you're betting, hold off. Don't, don't bet them then. Uh, this comes from Andrew Grief 
at the LA Times. Between January 18th and February 16th, they will play 15 games with 14 played on one day of rest or less. 11 of those 15 games are on the road, although one of them is against the Lakers, which will allow them to stay in Los Angeles. All of this happening at a time when the trade deadline will occur, which adds uncertainty to any locker room. Opponents during that stretch include several who could be playoff teams or strong contenders, two against Dallas and Milwaukee, one each against the Lakers, Cleveland, Chicago, Brooklyn, Golden State, and Phoenix. So that stretch to me will determine really what we think about the Clippers is between January 18th and February 16th. I think up until that January 18th, like they're going to look like the team. But I would say with this Clippers team, like just be patient, hold off. If after Valentine's Day they still look like that team, then I, then I think that you can just press go. But I would say that stretch will really determine like what we believe about the Clippers in the regular season. That like the first part of this season will be it's going to be cake, and what we think about them may not even be accurate because they're going to be playing so many bad teams so many times. But take a look at that stretch to like really determine who we think the Clippers are, and that includes the trade deadline. So we'll know basically who their final roster is. We'll know what they're capable of. And then to me, you'll know, like, are these guys for real? Because they, they haven't been so far, and a lot of it's been due to injury. But I think by that time, we'll actually know. So I think they will be odds-on favorites in January. But hold off, because the tough part of the schedule is, is going to hit them pretty quick. And uh, you mentioned how easy it is at the beginning. So Ed Koopfer, Ed, E-D, Cooper, yes. K-U-P-F-E-R. On Twitter, he he you go follow him if you don't follow Ed. Oh, it's great. Uh, he he does these really awesome uh charts of all the strength of schedule. And Minnesota and the Clippers have the two easiest schedules. Ac- according mm-hmm. to right now, of course, this is gonna change, you know. Guys sit, guys change. rest. Yeah. Uh, but this is based on what we know right now, both in terms of how the teams have performed previously, but also in terms of rest, disadvantages, advantages, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't think it's coincidence that we brought up both of those teams. And I would say for my bold prediction, Andrew, the team I'm most worried about is the Clippers. Taking yeah. it away from my wolves. Okay, uh, final one. <laughs> Predicting early season narratives. Uh, started with a negative one. Then we had three nice positive ones. Going to mm-hmm. end with a negative one. Oh, no. The San Antonio Spurs will have their longest losing streak under Greg Popovich before December. Okay, so a few reasons for this. First, the obvious one, the roster. They traded away DeJounte Murray. They previously traded away Derek White. They drafted three Mm -hmm. first-rounders. Jeremy Sohan. Jeremy Sohan. Malachi Branham, Blake Wesley. Mm -hmm. We're expecting big minutes for Josh Primo. He started getting minutes Mm -hmm. at the second half of last season. He's still 19 years old. They're going to be yep. a very young team, and by all accounts, they are tanking for Victor Wembanyama or whoever else is really good uh, in next year's draft. The previous record for longest losing streak under Greg Popovich was eight games. You might think that was back in '96 when they when they were tanking. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't Andrew. Uh, it was in 2019, November 2019. Mm. Okay, it was. That would make it sense. was. It, it does. It makes a little bit of sense. It was in November 2000. Now, before that, he had not lost more than seven games in a row in his career. The last time the Spurs lost eight in a row was in November of 1996 under coach Bob Hill, who was replaced hmm. by Pop after 18 games. So we have some synergy here. 
All the eight, all yeah. the eight game losses, uh, losing streaks have happened in November. Okay, listen to this opening schedule. Now it starts Charlotte, Indiana. You're feeling pretty good. You're saying, "Ooh, two and zero, perhaps yep. one and one." I don't know. The yeah, next stretch after that, it's 16 games. So buckle up. Philly, Minnesota, Minnesota, Chicago, Minnesota, Toronto, Clippers, Denver, Denver, Memphis, Milwaukee, Golden State. That in and of itself is like, oh, that's a lot. But then <laughs> that Golden State game, that is the first of a five-game road trip that is played in seven nights. Golden State, Portland, Sacramento, Clippers, Lakers. So altogether, cool. that is 16 games, a lot of them on the road at the end with very little rest. All I'm, all I'm needing for this to come true, Andrew, is for them to lose nine in a row in the middle mm-hmm. somewhere of that 16 games. I think it's possible. I think it's possible. I'm mm-hmm. not saying I'm rooting for it to happen. I'm just trying to predict what might happen based on the schedule, and that is what I see, Andrew. Yeah. I'm interested to see what else they do. Because like Jakob Pertl is a pretty good player. Like for sure. That could help that could help their defense. Like they still and like not that like Josh Richardson is like a great player, but like Josh Richardson is a player. Keldon Johnson is a good player. Uh they really need a point guard. Devin Vassell, good player. You know? Doug At Doug McDermott's same- still on this team. You know, like I don't and not that like any of those guys are real game changers or could keep them from winning nine games, but I'm just curious like how far are they willing to go? And and maybe those guys don't even play. Like maybe like McDermott and Richardson and those guys are just gonna be sat a bunch and in favor of the Primos and the Sohans and the Malachi Branhams and guys like that. But I'm I'm interested. Even Romeo Langford's on this team. Do you remember that? I didn't remember that, you know. Yeah, it it is interesting because obviously the Spurs have been one of the more anti tank franchises over this last yeah. stretch. I mean Pop, and Pop is like Pop is like the anti-tank commander. He, he, I know, and he, he is he is about to taste the forbidden fruit, Andrew. Because, uh, <laughs> he is about they're to going taste to lose fruit. a lot of games. <laughs> they're gonna lose. They are. I just wonder what it's gonna look like because to me, there are some guys that I think could be overachievers on this team, and I think Pop. I mean, he's one of the best coaches in the history of the league, for sure. And so you just wonder what it looks like. Can, can can they actually go the distance with the forbidden fruit of tanking? I just don't think you do what they already have done unless you are truly committed. And I think I, a, I think what yeah. will be revealed is that the Spurs are more committed than we might have previously thought. Hey, it's I the think right they're thing very for smart franchise. I agree. I agree. It's the right thing to do. It's the way they should go. All the guys, I like a lot of the players and Blake Wesley who they just drafted like I like him. I like a lot of these guys. But none of them are getting you to the playoffs and keeping you there. You know, you could add a couple of vets here that would that would get you there, but that nobody is there. Shout out Isaiah Roby as well. But oh, yeah, no, none of those guys are getting you there. Yeah. All right. So that brings us to the end. Those are our five predictions for early season narratives. Okay. Let us know. If you have any predictions, let us know on Twitter. You can uh, follow me on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht. Follow Alex on Twitter at AlBabyCakes. Let us know. You can even comment if you're listening to this podcast on the Athletic app. You can comment on particular shows. Let us know if you have a prediction or if you think ours is not good. Whatever. You can leave a comment there. All right. Right after this break, we're going to talk to Will Guillory about the Pelicans. All right. With us now, 
We've got Will Guillory, my good friend and colleague here at The Athletic. He covers the Pelicans in New Orleans. Will, what's up, man? I'm doing well, man. Doing well. It's happy days down here in New Orleans. Everybody's feeling good. Under contract. Uh, it's it's all up and up from here. And, you know, once training camp gets, gets started, I, I'm scared to see what it's going to be like here in the city. Yeah. So let's talk about one of the reasons for just insane optimism, Zion Williamson. Uh, he's set to make his return this season. As you wrote this week, the league is showing just as much caution as some fans might be by giving the Pelicans only 11 national TV games compared to teams like Memphis, who had 18, or Denver, who had 16. What's your feel for the situation with Zion's health? And is the current expectation that he's going to be playing on opening night? Yeah, I mean, the, the team announced just a few weeks after the season ended that he's been fully cleared. There is no more restrictions. He's been doing pretty much everything. I actually got to see him up close. It wasn't against other players, but uh, he was playing against campers at one of his camps, uh, just kind of going one-on-one or one-on-five against a bunch of kids. <laughs> and he was throwing down, you know, the same crazy Zion dunks I've seen before through the legs, behind the back, you know, all type of stuff. So he, he's definitely getting up there and he, he's looking smaller. So I think there's a big expectation that he's going to come back uh, looking really good at the start of training camp. And, uh, you know, I think they're supposed to be getting together soon to do some voluntary training camps type stuff, just getting guys in the gym together. So uh, I think there's a lot of optimism about what Zion can look like at the start of the season and just where his head's going to be at compared to last season. Yeah, the last time we saw him on the court, we were in the midst of a very successful point Zion experiment where he was just – dominating all the possessions for the Pelicans. Uh, He's coming back to a team that's developed a successful identity, though, without him last year and now has two high-level scorers in Ingram and CJ McCollum. Uh, Do you anticipate that Willie Green will take a more diverse approach to the offense this season uh, and not just point Zion over again? Yeah, I think that was a a point of emphasis for – Willie coming into the situation was he wanted to get guys doing a bunch of different things. That's the conversation me and him had early last season uh, because I think, you know, coming out of that that COVID year with uh, Stan Van Gundy, a lot of the, the discussion around the team was, you know, it was a lot of, you know, Zion one-on-one, B.I. pick and roll where it wasn't a lot of diversity in the offense. And I think that was a big complaint amongst the guys. And I think Willie Green came in with the idea of we're going to use B.I. sometimes in the post. We're going to use him, uh, you know, pick and roll, transition. We're going to do the same thing with Z where it's more unpredictable. Uh, Guys are getting to show different parts of their games. And I think that makes your offense more difficult uh, to handle. And I think coming into the situation now where you do have a C.J. McCollum, you do have a Jose Alvarado, I don't think they need Zion to be point Zion as much because they have other creators around him. And I think that's when you can get the best out of Zion where, you know, it's hard to know where he's coming from or how you're going to game plan them night to night because they have so many different weapons around them. So I think that's going to be a big emphasis for this team is just using guys in different situations, using them in different formations and having that versatility because Zion can do a little bit of everything. Same thing for B.I. I think C.J. wants to show more in his game this season. So, you know, that's that benefit of having talent. Now, around Zion, right, you can do some different things. So going along with that idea of how there's just a lot more threats on this team, as we saw in the second half of last season in the playoffs, this team is pretty deep. Like someone like Devontae Graham, he was brought in last offseason, played big minutes early on, and then by the playoffs, he's playing 10 minutes a game. Now you're bringing in Zion, another lottery pick with Dyson Daniels. Where do you see the major minutes battles playing out in this rotation? 
Yeah, I think you brought up one already was a uh, point guard, spe- specifically backup point guard, whether it be, you know, Jose Alvarado, Devontae Graham's going to be in that mix. Uh, a forgotten guy, Kyra Lewis, was a lottery pick yeah. a couple years ago yeah. towards ACL early last season. They're expecting him to be healthy by the start of this season. He's going to be in that mix. I think they want to see what he can do because, I mean, you can't just throw away a guy who was the number 13 pick, you know, two years ago. So they want to see him involved. So I think uh, when you're already locked in with CJ McCollum at the one like we said you're going to get some ball handling out of zion out of brandon ingram who's going to be in that mix as a second guard uh and i think also uh just the big situation we know zion's going to be at the four Jonas Valanciunas is going to be at the five, but then you have Jackson Hayes. You have Larry Nance. Uh, I know they like to get Billy here and Angomez involved a little bit because of his offensive punch. So there's just a lot of big guys and a lot of guards for this team. And, and you feel good about And I even mentioned Dyson Daniels as well with the backup point guard situation. So uh, I think there's a lot of bigs and a lot of guards that are, are looking for opportunities with this team. And I think the, the good thing for Willie Green is you have some versatility there with all of those guys. But I think uh, there's going to be a discussion at some point that, you know, some of these guys are going to end up getting DMPs and, yeah. and they, they don't think that they're going to get them right now. But there's only so many guys you can play. Given all that depth, are there any specific five-man lineups you are particularly interested in watching? You're hoping yeah, that Willie plays? I wrote this a couple of weeks and I think, you know, it's kind of been forgotten since point Zion, but I think a big discussion during Zion's rookie season was him at the five, right? Playing that Draymond mm-hmm. Green, a small ball five type of role. And can the Pelicans get away with that defensively? Can they rebound uh, with that group? I, I think it was more difficult when you had Drew Holiday at the two. They didn't really have a real three man. Uh, Brandon Ingram was kind of comfortable in that role, but he wasn't necessarily as physically built as he is now. I think, can you do that when you have a, a Herb Jones, when you have a Trey Murphy, these more mm-hmm. capable wings, can you play Zion at the five now? Uh, I think that's going to be a big question. And, and also, uh, just are you going to be able to get away with Jonas Valanciunas at the five in some of these mm-hmm. big games? I think you saw that during the first uh, round series against the, the Phoenix Suns where Chris Paul was just going to these pick and roll situations over and over again with Jonas Valanciunas. And it's just difficult for him to stay in front of those guys. So if it's not Jonas, can it be Zion at the five? And if not, where are you going to find that answer? Well, it's August. And because it's August and this is an NBA podcast, we're going to talk about Kevin Durant. Uh, (laughs) KD continues to push the Nets to trade him, but nothing really seems imminent at this point. But I look around the league and – I don't really see a lot of teams that could trade for Kevin and still be a contender. Um, but the Pelicans are one of these teams. Um, so ESPN on July 2nd said that the Pelicans were, quote, hoping the Nets will let New Orleans talk to Kevin Durant and use coach Willie Green to see uh, the Pelicans' vision and try to get KD to New Orleans. Uh, it's been crickets from the Pelicans ever since. Will, is it time for fans to completely ride off the Pelicans as a possible Kevin Durant destination? Or do you still think that there's an outside chance that they can get a deal done? I I, I really doubt it. I, I don't see it happening. Uh, I, I just, from day one, I never saw the Pelicans giving up Brandon Ingram and the Kevin Durant trade. I, I don't think their stance has ever, you know, wavered on that front. Uh, I think, you know, you've heard David Griffin over and over again. Uh, talk publicly about just how devoted he is to Brandon Ingram, you know, how much mm-hmm. of a culture setter B.I. is, how how B.I. has been a rock through a lot of the hard times, through a lot of the times where Zion wasn't there because of injury. B.I. was the guy there. And I think last year you saw B.I. make such a jump 
on and off the court. I, I think trading him for Kevin Durant, I think, would be a big blow to what this team has built for the last couple of seasons. And, of course, Kevin Durant, you know, one of the best players of all time, he's going to make a big impact. But I think the vision David Griffin has been trying to put in from day one with this team is building something that can last for a long time. It's not just about winning right now. It's about can we do something that, you know, Toronto has been able to do over the past decade. Or you look at a team like a Boston or, you know, what OKC was able to do during that Russ KD era where uh, we're not just good for the next couple of years. We can be a, a legit 50-win team for a decade. And I think they kind of see that vision with Zion and BI as the leaders. And I think kind of blowing it up, uh, I think we'll be super early in this process just because, I mean, this team wasn't even <laughs> over 500 last year, right? We we kind of right, saw right what now. they were in the playoffs and we say, wow, this Pelicans team is so exciting. But they were 10 games with the 500 last year. They lost what, 13 games in a row last, nine games in a row, whatever. They had a long losing streak early in the season. So I think there's still a lot of building this team needs to do before I think they're ready to jump into some type of Kevin Durant trade where, okay, now we have championship expectations. So we mentioned uh, Dyson Daniels a little bit earlier. He was the eighth pick in this year's draft. Only got to play about eight minutes of summer league uh, before picking up an injury. So there's not too much to take away from that. What have you heard, though, from the team about why they were interested in Daniels going into the draft and how they see him fitting into the team long term? Yeah, guys, I'll tell you, they love Dyson Daniels. <laughs> I think <laughs> people are going to see way more Dyson Daniels than they expect this season. I, I think they love his versatility at the guard position, uh, being able to play on the ball, off the ball. Uh, I think working, getting him to work with Fred Vinson a little bit more on his spot-up shooting is going to be a big you know, focus for him this season. And then just what he does defensively, uh, that's the big thing. We talked before about that backup point guard position where you have a C.J. McCollum, Devontae Grant, Jose Alvarado, Kyra Lewis, all of those guys have one thing in common. They're small, right? They're smallish yeah. point guards. And with Dyson Daniels, he's a bigger guy. He can defend twos. He can defend threes. He can even defend a couple fours in this league based on matchups. So I, I think getting him out there where you can have him, Herb Jones, Trey Murphy, some of these more versatile defensive units where you can switch everything. You can feel good about Dyson Daniels against some of these Donovan Mitchell, you know, Luka Doncic level guards who can take advantage of smaller players like Devontae Graham or, or Jose Alvarado. So I think uh, they love Dyson Daniels. I think he's going to get involved early. And the big question for him is, is he going to make shots, <laughs> you know, playing next to Zion Williamson? You're going to get open shots. So if you're making them, you're probably going to play. And if you're not, then you're probably going to be sitting. So, and also uh, just how he develops defensively and how much confidence he's able to put in Willie Green on that end. Because uh, if you can put him next to Herb Jones, uh, I think those are going to be two high, high-level defenders out there for the Pels on the perimeter. So last couple questions. After their 3-16 and 16 start last year, the Pelicans finished the season 33-30, and 30, a 43-win pace. Uh, Bet MGM currently has the Pelicans over-under at 45.5 wins. Taking the over means the Pelicans will have 10 more wins than last season. Uh, let's start negative. Other than injuries, what do you think would be the most likely reason that the Pelicans don't hit the over this season? I think defensively, there's a lot of questions there. When you're playing uh, Jonas Valanciunas at the five and Zion at the four, uh, I think those are two guys who, who, you know, have difficulty in certain matchups. Now, we've seen Zion, I think, at the college level, 
he was a high level defender. He was able to do a lot of things and we haven't seen that in the NBA. If anything, I think especially during that point Zion season, he was a negative at points at certain points defensively. Uh, so I, when you, then you have CJ McCollum at the point guard, uh, can you defend at a high level with that group playing a lot out there? And also, you know, are some of these younger guys going to step up in year two, whether it be, you know, Herb, uh, Herb Jones, Jose Alvarado, Trey Murphy. Uh, you can throw a Jackson Hayes in there. A younger guy. Can he take a step up? Uh, I think if those guys kind of plateau in year two, uh, I think it's going to be a, a tougher the Pels just to have enough depth. Uh, but the big thing for me is the defense. If they can defend, they'll be really good. But if not, uh, I think it's going to be difficult for them on certain nights. Yeah, and then finishing on a positive note, in what way do you see them easily hitting their over? Is it the defense looking good? Are there other factors at play that could help them easily hit this over? The depth. We talked about it. I think they're easily a a 10-deep team every night where they feel good about all 10 guys. And I think there aren't a lot of teams that can say that. And they feel really good about them scoring. Uh, Defensively, we'll see. But we saw the effort from them last year. And then the second part is, you know, Zion Williamson. (laughs) If he comes back and he's a superstar, superstars win a lot of games in this league. And, and, you know, we saw what he was able to do offensively, you know, with a lesser supporting cast around him in 2020. Uh, So you put CJ around him. You put Trey Murphy hitting threes. uh, You know, uh, this team could be explosive offensively. Uh, So, yeah, there'll be a lot of fun. But uh, if they can get stops and they can use that depth, uh, they're going to win some games. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. I know I'm looking outside right now. Sun's out, birds are chirping. It's time to start getting outside. Uh, I know that I like to get outside and play basketball with my kids. And honestly, I need to get into a fitness routine in order to keep up with these guys. And Peloton is there for me. Peloton's varying class links were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10 minute core session at the end of your strength class, or take a 60 minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. Peloton's classes were made to challenge you. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you're already excelling in. Peloton's program and instruction push you to be your best. Their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run indoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Well, Will, thank you so much for answering our questions. It is now time to play Andrew versus the Beat, our weekly trivia show where Andrew goes head-to-head with a beat writer this week, of course. It's Will Guillory, Pelicans beat writer for The Athletic. Now, Will, you have played this game before. I don't remember if you won or not. Let's assume you won. Because uh, I want to assume that Andrew lost. Uh, how this works my is first, I come my up with... first victory ever on Andrew versus the beat was against yes. Will. What? But yeah, I, I think I was say... ele- I was zero in like eleven, and then I and then I got Will on like the last <laughs> question, I believe. I want to say I did this game with somebody else, right, on the Grizzlies, and didn't I win a, a yes. Grizzlies trivia game? Oh, that's true. That's true. So you're yes. one and one. Yes. 
Yes, I'm I'm owing one with the team I cover, so that's that's not great. But <laughs> <laughs> so how this works? I have eight questions all about the Pelicans. Uh, you're just going to give me a number between one and eight. It will correspond to a question. If you get it right, you'll get two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew will have a chance to steal for one point. So to start us off, I just need a number between one and eight. I'm starting off. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm going uh, seven. Question number seven. According. To cleaning the glass, who filter out garbage time minutes, which Pelican had the best on-off numbers with a plus 10.7? And I'll let you know, this isn't like someone who played 20 minutes or something. These are minimum 500 minutes. It's all like the main guys. During this past season? Yes. Plus 10.7. I'm going to go... I want to go Larry Nance. Larry Nance Jr.? That is... Incorrect. Oh. Andrew, you have a chance to steal for one point. Hmm. Pelicans were plus 10.7 when this player was on the court. Jose Alvarado? Oh, you guys were going for deep cuts. I finally fooled you. It was Brandon Ingram. Oh, Brandon no. Ingram. <laughs> the most obvious one. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. All right, Andrew, your turn. Number one. Question number one. The Pelicans. Drafted Dyson Daniels with the 8th pick in this year's draft. Daniels is currently the 10th Australian-born player in the NBA. Can you name the other 9? Now, how this works, Andrew, you're going to give me a name of an NBA player who was born in Australia. Then Will will give me a name. We'll go back and forth until one of you stumbles. So, Andrew, start us off. Should be easy. Josh Giddy. Yes. That would, that I was correct. hoping that would be the one you said. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Will, it is to you. A player born in Australia. Uh, this guy is back in the NBA now. Wasn't I don't think he was with anybody last season, but just signed with the Sacramento Kings, Matthew Della Vadova. That is correct. Back to Andrew. <laughs> uh, Patty Mills. That is correct. Back to Will. Matisse Tybel. So I'm going to give it to you, but he was technically not born in Australia. Okay. Oh. I don't know why I said technically. He wasn't born in Australia. Uh, he, he, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he was born in America, but, but grew up in Australia. So uh, I will give you credit for that because if you search on Real GM, they do have his name listed. Okay, mm-hmm. Andrew, back to you. Uh, ben Simmons? Yes, yes. That is the other obvious one. Okay. Back to Will. Kyrie Irving? Yes, Kyrie Irving, oh, yeah. born in Australia. <laughs> there's, um, that means there's three Australian-born players on the Brooklyn Nets currently. Brooklyn Nets. That's true. Okay, Andrew, um, back to you. There's uh, four possible names. Joe Ingles? Yes, Joe oh. Ingles with the Bucks now. That's back to Will. One. Now we're getting into some deep cuts. There's three names left. Uh, All these guys born in Australia. See, I don't know if this one counts. I don't, I don't think this guy is on a team, but I'm going to go Aaron Baines. He is not on a team, but he was born in Australia, I do believe. Yes. The other names, Josh Green for the Dallas Mavericks, oh, yeah. Jock Landale for the Phoenix Suns, and Jack Jacques. White for the Denver Nuggets on a two-way deal. Wow. Okay, oh, wow. so Andrew, you should have deep gotten cuts. there. Those are deep cuts. <laughs> All right, Andrew. Uh, No, this is Will's turn. Will, you have control of the board. I'm going to go three. Question number three. Okay, this trivia question was inspired by ESPN stats and information fact from an Andrew Lopez article. The Pelicans 
last year became the first team since the 2005 Chicago Bulls to have three rookies each play more than 100 minutes in a playoff series. Can you name the three Bulls rookies who each played at least 100 minutes in the 2005 playoffs? And I will give you one point per correct answer. Oh so this my is the, gosh. This is the 05 Bulls. They made the playoffs and had three guys each play 100 minutes in that playoff series. The Bulls made the playoffs in 05. <laughs> that's the part that's blowing your mind. Yeah. I got I no I shot on this one. <laughs> oh, man. This would be a good question for Trey nothing. Kirby. This would be a great Kirby question. I I think I have two I in my head. You have two? Kirk, yeah. Kirk Heinrich? Kirk Heinrich, that is incorrect. Yeah, hey, Andrew, you have a chance to no steal. Idea. Who are you thinking? Uh, Luol Dang? No! <laughs> incorrect. Really? Yeah, I think he was on the team but didn't play in the playoffs. Uh, the correct oh, answer didn't play in the playoffs. Uh, look it up because I don't want to. Ben uh, Gordon, Ben okay. Gordon, Andres Nocioni. Okay. Remember him? Oh, Nocioni wow. was my other one. And Chris Duhon. Wow. Oh, okay. Slidell's own Chris Duhon. Chris okay. Duhon. Chris Duhon. Uh, okay, Andrew, you have control of the board. Sheesh. You're up two to zero. Okay. Uh, number two. Number two, Garrett Temple has played for eleven NBA franchises. With oh, which, no. no, we're not going to name. We're not going to name them all. We're not going to name them. All. <laughs> oh, okay, I was going to say. <laughs> with which franchise did Garrett Temple average his career high in points with ten point three points per game? Oh my gosh! <laughs> also very hard. His best season in the NBA: ten point three points per game. Garrett which, Temple's which best team season. was it? <laughs> Uh, oh my gosh was it the wizards the wizards no it was not will you have a chance to steal if you can name one of the other nba teams in the league and maybe you'll get it right because i don't know how you know you got it down to two teams teams. Ooh, name them out loud name them out loud i'm stuck between memphis and chicago and i want to go memphis Memphis Grizzlies. That is incorrect. And uh, so was Chicago. It is the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn oh. Nets just a few seasons ago. He averaged huh. 10. And, he, and it wasn't like he played 20 games. He played like over 60 games for him. Uh, okay, wow. Will. You're down by two, but you have control of the board. You can tie it up right here. Uh, let's go number four. Question number four. I'm realizing these questions are very tough this week. Very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> With Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum, the Pelicans are one of only two teams in the NBA who have two former most improved players on their team. This Eastern Conference team is the other one. So you don't have to tell me who the players are. You just have to name the team in the Eastern Conference who also has two former most improved players on their roster. Hmm. The I Bucks. This one was very hard, which is why I narrowed it down to one conference. That is incorrect. The Milwaukee Bucks. Andrew, you have a chance to steal for one point. You have a mm. one in fourteen chance of getting this correct. Raptors. Raptors? No, it is the Miami Heat. Jimmy Butler and Victor Oladipo. Oh <laughs> man, Oladipo. Damn. 
All right, Andrew, it's your turn. Uh, Still up by two. Uh, number five. Question number five. There's a question I've been wanting you guys to ask so bad, and you refuse to do it. Okay. Herb Jones finished his rookie season with 130 steals and 60 blocks. There were only three other players in the league who had at least 100 steals and at least 50 blocks. How many can you name? You get one point per correct answer. So think about the type of players who would get a lot of steals, but would also get a decent amount of blocks. Oh, man. I have to name both of them? Uh, no, there's three of them. Each one you get, you get a point. I get a point for each one. Yeah. Okay. So at least 100 steals, at least 50 blocks. 100 steals, 50 blocks. Think about fantasy basketball. Might be the way to go. Paul George? Paul George. That's a pretty good guess. It's wrong, but it's a pretty good mm. guess. Uh, Will, any guesses? Uh, Matisse Tybel. That is correct for one point. Mm. There's two other names. Am I going again or is it bad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all you. You could potentially uh, get three I points here. Robert Covington. Yes! That is also correct. And the game is wow. tied. And you could potentially wow. move ahead if you can think of the third name. What an incredible run by Will here. Oh, See, the crazy thing, I used to look up this stat all the time. Because <laughs> I just love looking up Herb Jones stats. And Anthony Davis is usually there, but I don't think he played enough games to get to 150. So my last guess is going to be Marcus Smart. No, that's wrong. But you want it to be your guess? Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart, yes. <laughs> that is incorrect. The third name was last year's most valuable player, Nikola Jokic. Oh. Nikola Jokic. It would have taken me a minute to get there. All right, Will. With that answer... The game is now tied, and there are two questions left. You could solidify a lead here if you get this next one right, either number six or number eight. Number eight. Oh, <laughs> here we go. That's the All one. Right. Yes. Oh, no. The Daily in recent, Double. In a recent GQ interview, Zion Williamson discussed his love for the anime Naruto and guessed that 80% of NBA players watch anime. According to a June 22 research study of Google search data, Naruto is the most popular anime in the United States. Which of the following was the second most popular anime in the United States? So I'm going to give you four anime titles. You're going to tell me which one was second most popular behind Naruto. Okay, so we got My Hero Academia, Pokemon, Demon Slayer, or Jujutsu Kaisen. Once again, that was My Hero Academia, Pokemon, Demon Slayer, or Jujutsu Kaisen. I'm going with D, Jujutsu Kaisen. Jujutsu Kaisen. Very good guess. That is incorrect, though, mm. Andrew. Big anime guy over there. What do you think was the second most popular anime in the U.S.? My Hero Academia, say the, say My mm -hmm. Hero Academia Pokemon, or Demon Slayer? Oh, gosh. The only one I'm aware of is Pokemon. That's because I have a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old. and <laughs> know about Yeah, Pokemon that's the here. only reason you know about it. Yeah. It's not, actually bet. not. I was a big Pokemon Snap guy back there in the day. There it is. There it is. You know, trying to... Okay, let's see. <sighs> I'll go A, just because I don't know what that is. That seems like the wrong <laughs> answer, but maybe it's the right answer. I, I hear Academia? 
Uh, that is the wrong answer. It was not Pokemon. It was Demon Slayer. Oh Dang it. I was trying God. to decide between those two. I was just wrong. I don't even know what My Hero Academia is. Yeah. Is that a real thing? Yes. No idea. All right, Andrew. Okay. <laughs> the good news for you. Actually, I don't even need this. Yeah. Good news for you. Yeah. Tie game. Well, final mm-hmm. question. Oh and goodness. wait till you hear what the question is. This is it's this great... exact. This is the exact scenario that happened last time with me and Will. Is that it came down to the very last? Oh, question. did it really? Okay. Well, yes, this is a very fun well. question. Okay. CJ McCollum has played over six hundred mm-hmm. games in his NBA career. How many NBA games has CJ played without Damian Lillard? Now, before you answer, you're going to give me a number, oh. which you don't know, but you can choose who answers oh, first. Oh, boy. So you can make Will answer first and then go higher or lower, or you can choose first and then Will can go higher or lower. How many of okay. those 600 games has CJ played without Damian Lillard? Including his time with the Pelicans, obviously. Yeah. How many games, how many games has he played without him? Yes. That's the question. And so I'm giving to, you to be clear, this number. is uh, regular season only. I want to okay, make regular that season only. Because I just realized I did not include the uh, Pelicans without. Games. Yeah. Okay. I'll say so, 50. Oh, okay. So you made the guess. Andrew made the guess. 50 yeah. games. Now, Will, you could win it right here. Higher or lower than 50 games? Under. Will goes under. How many games did CJ play without Damian Lillard? The answer? 75! Which means Andrew wins the win! Oh, I felt so nervous. I thought for sure. I was like, 50's too high. What's wrong with me? That's what I was thinking. Oh, man. Came down to the wire on that one. Uh, Go read Will Guillory on The Athletic today. He's got... Some great stuff on uh, schedule and on Zion Williamson. Just and just, he's just a delightful person. So if you just subscribe and read his stuff, you're just know that you're reading the work of just a delightful human being. So please go do that. Thanks so much, Will. Thanks, guys. Appreciate y'all for having me on. Thanks again to Will Guillory for joining us on the podcast. Hey, go leave us a five star review on Apple Podcast. We'll read it on the show. I promise. Just like today, we're gonna read five. Five-star reviews. Wow. The synergy of the fans of Slam and Jam. Thank you guys so much. This comes from Yo Mama underscore 100 in the USA. Five stars. Great podcast. Love listening to this podcast, especially when the down-to-dunk guys are on here. Andrew and Alex are the MJ and Pippin of podcasting. Thank you so much for that review, Yo Mama underscore 100. Uh, the next review is from... Babarello, 40, in the USA. Slam and Jam rocks, five stars. The Saturday Slam and Jam is a favorite listen for me every week. Keep it up, boys. And one request, bring on a guest host so Andrew and Alex can finally go head-to-head in a trivia game. That's long overdue. Alex, Felix, thoughts? Uh, Wow, I mean, you know, as the game master, you know, coming around to the other side is is not really normal I, I, don't, I, I don't know why you would want me to be answering questions that might reveal things about me uh, you know I might not be as smart as I seem when I'm reading off these really hard questions so I don't know why you would want me to do that yeah you never you never saw Alex Trebek competing on Jeopardy yeah so 
we find out he just like doesn't know anything about trivia. <laughs> That's what I'm worried. That's what I'm worried. Yeah, yeah. I gotta we, keep we up the charade. We don't need to expose you. Yeah, you can continue to expose me week after week and just leave yourself untouched. <laughs> That's okay. Um, next review comes from Honest Dad four one six in Canada. Five stars. Can you feel the love? No need to read my review. We're going to do it anyways, Honest Dad 416, but I just wanted to send some words of encouragement. I listen to the Slam and Jam regularly and realize that one of the best things about the show is how much love and camaraderie you show to the other writers you bring on the show. No hate, no pretentiousness, just some good old fun, which is refreshing. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Honest Dad 416, for that review. Our next review also from Canada Uh, let's see nope this one is from Great Britain sorry about that the best NBA podcast Saturday Slam and Jam 5 stars shout out to Alex and Andrew for the Saturday Slam and Jam my go to show for NBA updates on the weekend funny informative and always love the quiz get great background music too keep up the top work guys I can't wait for the new season and the 3 a.m. Portland game time alarms. Oh, man. (laughs) Oliver J. Fulham, Blazers GM, part of the ISOS Hoops community in the U.K. Thank you so much for that review. And our last review is from Samrat101294 in India. Really good. Five stars. Greetings from the endangered Indian NBA fan. Love the pod, especially Saturday Slam and Jam and Nerder and Tampering. Thank you so much for the review for all three of those pods. Great work. Wow, thank you so much. I feel overwhelmed by the amount of reviews that we got this week. If you want your review read on the podcast, just leave a five-star review. Leave a little message. We will read it here on the show. Hope you guys are enjoying your summer. And, you know, we'll be back in two weeks. That will be the con- that will continue to be the schedule for the Athletic NBA shows that our shows will go every other week up until the start of the season. So we will talk to you guys again in two weeks. <laughs>